Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick, end zone, Crabtree, broken up, picked off! This game is over! Well, I'm the best corner in the game! When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get! Don't you ever talk about me! L-O-B. He wants to get in a fight, you can't do that! Quarterback, you can't fight! Welcome along. We have a specially extended version of the podcast this week. There's a part two and three later on. We've been press ganged into including Mick McCarthy in a gambling section at the end, which may also uh, take in a few minutes to talk fantasy as well. For now, though, we have the serious business of actual football talk. Joined as ever by Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus, purveyor of the PFF podcast on iTunes, and Kian Fahey, who's a columnist of Football Guys and FootballOutsiders.com. Kian, very good afternoon to you. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Uh, good to make contact with you. Sam, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, obviously there's uh, one massive story that has been um, uh, over all of the other stories this week. Uh, we did 20 minutes with Professor Kevin B. Blackstone on the Ray Rice issue and as things stand, Roger Goodell is clinging on in there uh, as the commissioner of the NFL and they've announced that there's going to be an investigation into it. So we have a 20-minute podcast dealing with that issue and I'm not sure that we're going to spend any time really talking about it here because... We've got loads of other stuff to talk about, but uh, obviously if you do want some in-depth analysis of the situation, check out uh, Professor Blackstone talking to Joe on Tuesday night. So let's talk about the first week, the big winners and losers. In the big winners column, I'd have Seattle, obviously, because they're the same incredible team that they were. Miami and the Bills maybe pushing them hard. Miami killed Tom Brady in the second half, and Buffalo got sold, and uh, not to Bon Jovi, and they also uh, beat the Bears. Uh, a couple of other teams did very well. The Panthers without Cam Newton. The Vikings, they look great. Houston have an amazing schedule and uh, have a win already. And the Falcons, we'll talk about those as well. Um, but the losers this week, which is always kind of very interesting to talk about. It's where we always start. Yeah. Well, and, and let's start with your beloved Patriots, Donny. Well, well, this was at least this was tipped by myself. But, uh, you know... I, the Patriots, I think they hadn't lost a week one game since 2003, but my recollections of them are as a, as in September, kind of slow starting, stuttering, and then eventually by, say, once the once the weather changes and the leaves start to turn a bit crisper, and there's, you know, the smell of turf burning in the nighttime, that is when uh, the Patriots get into sort of fourth gear, I would say. There, I, but like, the, you know, you, you look at no points scored in the second half, I think, and a, a lot of Offensive, um, I don't know what would the word be, In- impotence Constipation. or whatever. Yeah, so there, it's not very, the signs aren't good, but, um, you know, maybe it's, a, you know, at this stage of the year, the questions are, you know, is one team really good or is one team really bad? You're, everyone wants to overreact one way or the other. It's possible Miami um, were coming in under the radar. Miami always played New England uh, well at home. And, uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe maybe it's not maybe things aren't as bad as they seem Brady though I think you know there was some signs of decline last year and there's a lot more of that uh, last week and yeah well, Sam you've been looking at the signs of decline um, for Tom Brady and uh, as anybody who follows you on Twitter knows there are a lot of people angry with you for the fact that you've been pointing this out over a while most of New England I think at this stage <laughs> uh, they were all on show all those signs of decline they were there gleaming and glistening yeah I, the Patriots have started one and one a lot during the Brady Belichick era, but they've never started zero and two, and they've got a real chance of doing that against the Vikings, who suddenly look pretty good. It's it's interesting, 
you know, Brady, I think, has probably been declining for a year or so now. He's not quite as good as he was at his peak. But with perfect protection, with a fantastic offensive line in front of him, we wouldn't see a tremendous amount of that. But now the offensive line is creaking in a major way. It's looking leaky. You know, it's given up a huge amount of pressure and it's pressure right up the middle, which is the worst place for Brady to get pressure. And he's he's struggling. We were just chatting beforehand. And you were saying that they were the most he was the most pressurized quarterback of all of the, the 32 quarterbacks of the weekend. Yeah, the, the Patriots offensive line surrendered more pressures than any other team in the NFL. Um, other players had slightly higher percentage of, of dropbacks as pressure, but nobody actually got more of it than, than Brady. Keen, is this um, is this terminal for Bill Belichick and this uh, the Tom Brady Pats era, or is it the first day in Miami? The temperature is really high. Nobody really wants to do it because you're not fully on, and the the link with Gronk hasn't been reestablished just yet. So, like, do you fall into the Donny reach clutching for straws camp, or do you uh, do the cold hard analysis? He's he's almost done. I think he's almost done, but that's not to say that they can't win that division again. The, the, a lot of their problems the weekend were a result of the being overmatched uh, on the offensive line, like Sam mentioned, and that's a large part of that too was the Dolphins' defensive line playing very well. So you're not going to see a defensive line like the Dolphins' one every single week. I think the Vikings will, will tell us a lot more about them because the Vikings have a familiar quarterback to the Patriots in Matt Castle, and a player who's fairly limited overall. And, but they have a defensive line, who, which is not as good as the Dolphins, I don't think, but it's, it's a defensive line that's going in the right direction. And I think they could probably get to Brady again. So you'll kind of, if, if one on, a one-on-one start isn't, isn't horrible, but like Sam said, a zero-on-two start could ring major alarm bells. Yeah, there's no reason to think that uh, the Vikings won't be able to score points on them. Cordero Patterson was amazing last week. Uh, they have a, another pretty good uh, pass rush or... Um, uh, running back and that's like every reason to suspect that they'll be able to, to score well Brady shaved his beard though this week so <laughs> I think there's a lot of hope there that there might that might spur a kind of entire, a change of, of mentality across the whole team yeah uh, any chance that Brady gets benched at some point this year what are you talking about is this tro- trolling is Colin Parkinson taking over your your body well I mean at some point all great things must come to a close. I know, you know, no fan wants to see the decline of the greatest thing that's ever happened in their sporting life. Um, I mean, there was, what was the score at halftime? Was it 27, 2014? The, like, I mean, the kind of decline you're discussing. I mean, maybe you're thinking of Tony Romo. <laughs> He's the quarterback for the Cowboys, not the Patriots. Brady, what I mean, is going to be... Even at mediocre, it's still the Patriots are going to win eight games, you know. Jimmy Garoppolo is a handsome dude, though, you know, at some point. I can't see any scenario where Brady actually gets benched this year. But the Brady era started because the Patriots quarterback suffered a pretty bad injury and went down. It's not unreasonable to suggest that if, if the, the protection goes the way it's currently going, Brady will miss time this year. Let's move on. You mentioned Tony Romo. Uh, a lot of uh, people saw that first half of the 49ers and thought, wow, 49ers are pretty good, but um, not to overreact. Maybe the 49ers aren't all that good, Kean. There was, um, before Romo starts throwing the interceptions and before the, the whole team gets infected by it, DeMarco Murray was slashing their run defence uh, at will and uh, they were moving the chains very, very quickly on them. If, if teams are going to give you 14 or uh, or 21 or 28 points then you're going to look good but I think that maybe the Niners weren't as impressive as that first half suggested 
Well, they were fortunate because they've, they've basically eased into the season because the, the Cowboys' defense was always going to be overmatched no matter who they face. And the Cowboys are pretty much 100% reliant on Romo and Bryant to be brilliant. And when Ro- Romo has... That's the worst game I've seen Romo play ever, I think. And it, it's clear that he's not comfortable yet because he was throwing the ball up, just, just randomly throwing it up for grabs. And that's not something Romo has ever really done. I know he gets a bad reputation for turning the ball over late in games, but last year he had 10 interceptions on the year, I think. And he only had, and he had three and a half last, uh, last week. I, I think a, a lot of that was to do with um, his back issue and he's just not comfortable yet. So the 49ers are flattered a little bit. They're, they're not a, I wouldn't jump to say that they're a bad team yet or that they shouldn't get any praise for this game. But I would still kind of think their season was going to start in week two. Kaepernick was pretty good. I thought uh, that bit where he escaped and made that play for, was it the Vernon Davis, or for Vernon Davis' second touchdown? That's the ability that he's shown to scamper and get out of positions and then find his throw, which maybe suggests he's slightly more mature at this point. Yeah, well, that's, that's the hope, isn't it? That's what you need to see moving forward. And he, he showed signs of that as well late last year and in the preseason this year. So I would be a little bit optimistic about him, but not based against this kind of quality of defence. I've also never seen a player go down with dehydration uh, in the middle of a game when they were uh, Des Bryant was dehydrated and they were like, I didn't, uh, what the hell is that about? It happens sometimes. You see them go down, you know, they need to get IVs, they need to get, you know, they've got cramping problems. It, it happens. It's, it's a weird game, actually, American football, in terms of it does... It, strange things to your body that other games don't because of all the stopping, the starting. There's, you know, you're standing around doing nothing for a lot of time between the times where you're, you know, you're at 100% with your yeah. body. So it, I think it does stress stress your body more than a lot of games. Have you ever been to Texas? No. <laughs> so, but also, I would presume that... He, he trains there. Like, they, you know, they, well, they know how much fluid you need to take in, no? Yeah, but I mean, it's part of... The, I would just presume Des was watching that first quarter and he looked up at the scoreboard and saw 21 nothing, and then... Just has these conniptions of sweat <laughs> and anxiety. Uh, all right, let's move on to, um, well, let's talk about Seattle and the Broncos. Seattle killed Green Bay in a game that I thought, this is going to be interesting to see how Green Bay get on against these guys because maybe Green Bay can be contenders if they have Aaron Rodgers for the whole season. They've got Eddie Lacy. They've got a lot of weapons, but their defense just couldn't handle Seattle at all. Yeah, it was an interesting game because it ended up, a, you know, a big lopsided score, but it was actually close for quite a long time in the game. And yet at no point during the close game did you ever think that Green Bay had a chance to win. They were just, you know, they were doing well to hang on in there. They were having some success against the Seahawks, but you just got the feeling that Seattle were just a better side all the way across the board. And it was just a matter of time before the score started to reflect it. Sometimes you see teams who win a title carry on at the same very high level for a period at the start of the next season and they just can't sustain that level of performance. Is it possible that that's what we're seeing from the Seahawks or are they like... I just can't see any scenario where they're not the best team in the NFL this year. The, the roster is, is top to bottom the best in football. They're so good almost across the board. Even the, the kind of weak links last year, like the offensive line, you know, James Carpenter, of all people, looked extremely capable at guard, who's been a almost a disaster, you know, at several positions on the line before that. I think only injuries can stop that team being absolutely dominant. Okay, what about the Packers? Uh, I think the Packers always had a limited ceiling even before the season started. Obviously, I can't write them off yet just based on one, one week. But the major concern for me was Rodgers didn't play all that well. And this is the kind of this is the moment where you expect Rodgers to be be at his brilliant best, like he was a few years ago in the playoffs when he basically carried them to a Super Bowl. Like the, his receivers were open, he was missing a lot of throws. He one of his interception came off Jory Nelson's hands, but even that pass was a little bit overthrown. It made Nelson stretch, 
And um, I, I just the, the, the defense is a major problem. I think the defense is going to hold them back. But the offense, you'd expect more out of the offense, even against a tough team like Seattle. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to see anybody upsetting Seattle at this point. The, the Broncos were supposed to be addressing the issues that they had over the course of the summer. Did they show enough in the 31-24 defeat of the Colts to suggest that they, they've improved vastly from last year, Ken? Uh, the problem there again is that the Colts I don't think the Colts are very good they're, they're still it, it's the third year with Andrew Luck and they're still completely reliant on him to win games for them so I think again you're going to have to wait for another week or two with the with uh, the Broncos but uh, the, the one thing that you did notice in that game was they didn't really miss Wes Welker and Emmanuel Sanders looks like he's going to be a really big player for them and someone who could really elevate the offense even though Eric Decker was very good last year I do think Sanders has another dimension where he can make more plays with the ball in his hands and make uh, make catches in different ways where Decker was a little bit more rigid but he was able to dominate it in certain tra- in certain areas. Okay, so good but not amazing from the Broncos, is that the... I just yeah. wonder if they're going to regret, regret letting uh, Moreno walk away. Like, I mean, I know these, I know he had a knee, degenerative knee disease or whatever but I thought he looked, he looked pretty serious <laughs> for, for Miami and like why would... Okay, I don't, you know, say ball gets injured next week. Who, you know, that's... CJ Anderson. Yeah, the Hillman, like... I don't know, it just seemed like a nice... What you know? You have two of these guys as weapons. Why? It's a good point. He was only a million quid. Yeah, the, the running game for Denver is very much a kind of a situational thing and a compliment almost to the passing game. In that, you know, Manning lets them run the ball when that's what the defense is giving them. So almost by definition, being a running back in that system, you should be able to be successful because Manning's only giving you the ball when the defense is showing him that there's a run on. So yeah. It, it, you should be getting the ball. The argument is anybody situations. can do it. Well, not so much anybody, but you shouldn't. It, there shouldn't be a situation where you have a guy in there who can't get you successful yardage because you know Manning's already doing the job for you. Yeah, because there is an assumption that Monte Ball is a massive upgrade for some reason on Nelson Moreno, and I don't know if that's necessarily true, is it? Well, the thing about Moreno is he did everything pretty well. He was he wasn't spectacular at anything, but there was no flaws in his game. He did everything to a reasonable degree, and that, you know makes him the perfect kind of running back for that system. Yeah. If you pl- if you replace him with a guy who's more one dimensional and, and more of a you know less well rounded running back, that can cause issues. Ball carried uh, twenty three times, I think, on Sunday night. So I just would wonder about pushing all the workload onto this guy, and then um, you know. Where that might leave you, say, in January when you this guy's got a lot of miles on the clock, you know? A bit of depth. Let's talk about um, some other quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, sensational day for him against the Saints. And this whole uh, Saints potential Super Bowl champions thing, again, we're not overreacting, but um, they've got a lot of problems, Keen. Yeah, this is a game that actually really fascinated me because when I watched it initially, I thought Matt Ryan was phenomenal and I thought he was just carrying the Falcons to victory. But then when later in the week you get the, the secondary tape that is looking above and you can see every single player on the field and on every single play. And when you look at that, you see the Saints were just committing malpractice on defense. They, had, they were dropping their safeties 25 and 30 yards down the field on every single snap. And it was just giving Matt Ryan easy throws underneath. And it was, like, it was allowing a guy like Roddy White, who was one of the best receivers in the league, he was uh, able to match up against linebackers and uh, lower cornerbacks instead of someone like Kenny Vaccaro or Jairus Bird or Keenan Lewis. And it was just, Ryan was able to pick them apart, even playing behind a horrible offensive line. I think it's, it's stuff that the Saints might be able to correct through the scheme and changing their assignments. So I'm not really that concerned about them yet, but you, you can't really take away from Ryan as well because he was really, really good, even if not as good as I thought he was at first. Yeah. Um, what's, like, again, not reaching for too many conclusions, but the truth about these two teams, do they both have the potential to go deep into the year? 
I would worry how much Matt Ryan was under pressure. You know, that offensive line is, is down a couple of guys already with injuries. And Matt Ryan had a fantastic game in large part because he did a lot of that with serious pressure in his face with guys chasing him down. He made plays after, you know, being under pressure. And usually Matt Ryan, I don't think, is tremendous at that. Um, and I don't think that's the kind of thing you can sustain over a season. I think pressure ultimately gets to all quarterbacks and... I think if you get a you know a huge amount of pressure, it's inevitable that you, you're gonna you know dip in your performance at some point. Yeah, they do have a lot of weapons. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that'll help out mitigating pressure. But I, I think sooner or later we're gonna start to see Ryan kind of regress because of it. And the Saints were supposed to have a, a brilliant defense. Um, Sir Ryan was supposed to crack the whole issue, and actually there they go and cough up thirty-seven points. Yeah, Rob Ryan's always had a bit of a, a, a kind of enigmatic defense about him, and it's it's creative, it's aggressive, but I'm not sure it's ever been that great. You know, he's a, he's a massive reputation as as part of the you know the Ryan twins and. He does he does do things a lot like Rex Ryan. I'm just not sure it ever has exactly the same results. And there always seems to be a flaw in Rob Ryan's defenses that aren't there in Rex's defenses. Uh, let's talk briefly about the Texans. They they beat the Red, the Washington seventeen uh, six. And uh, the big disappointment here is Clowney's gone down with an injury and is going to miss five or six games because JJ uh, Watt was back to as you would expect JJ Watt being this absolutely amazing beast but him and Clowney look like it could have been one of the most exciting things to watch in the NFL this year Keen. and we're going to have to wait five or six weeks to see them together again Well but when he actually comes back we might actually have to wait until next year to see him properly because it's a, it's a meniscus injury in his knee and it's, it's, he's, he's a rookie so he hasn't played in the NFL so now you're going to drop him in halfway through the season as a key player and expect him to be great straight away. I don't think that's likely. I also don't think they're going to rush him back because they're as much as they want to say they're competing this year, I don't think they're really competing this year. They understand that they've got Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan Mallett as their quarterbacks. So I think really we're probably going to have to wait and see Clowney until next year. Is there a possibility though that they the, the thing they do is try and reach the playoffs and see what happens with their not particularly good quarterbacks? Well, it's very possible because they're in the AFC and because they're in the AFC South. All they really have to do is contain Andrew Luck, I suppose, when they play him, and that sounds a lot easier than it actually is. But considering there's three other teams in their division, that that's the one issue standing between them and the playoffs. That's not really that big of a tall task. So it's possible they could surprise and be a surprise team in the AFC, but it's not really something you can count on at this stage simply because the roster has so many significant holds. Yeah, they've got an amazing schedule, though. I think the, the next five or six games are pretty winnable. From They've got Oakland here coming into Reliance Stadium on Sunday. Like, a, you know, I mean, I think it's maybe a building year and maybe they try to draft a quarterback. O'Brien is quarterback whisperer kind of a guy, so... I don't know. That division is poor, as Keane was saying. So. Uh, two other things to talk about. Carolina Panthers, everybody was saying it's going to be a serious regression year for them. They were saying that there's uh, no strength at receiver for them and they had no Cam Newton heading into a game against the much-hyped Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then <clears throat> Calvin Benjamin emerges as somebody who's ready to go straight off the bat and the defence performs as well as they did for most of last year and it turns out that uh, they can win even without Cam. That's not it. Bad day's work for Riverboat Ron? Yeah, um, Kelvin Benjamin's an interesting guy. He's huge. He's basically built like a tight end. He's like 6'5", you know, 230, 240, something like that. And he's definitely got the physical skills to to make things happen as a receiver. There's also some things you see where he struggles sometimes to to get immediate separation if a guy plays him physically up at the line. But I think we've seen that he can be productive almost regardless of who's a quarterback. 
Do they suddenly become a candidate for the playoff again from the team whoever was, oh, they'll be looking to get seven wins this year? I, I think that's another division where so far it's still all up for grabs. You know, there's no team there that you're thinking is, is a nailed uncertainty for the, the playoffs. The, you know, the Saints were the favourites before the season, but we've seen they can be toppled fairly easily. None of those three teams remaining, I think, look terrible. So it's, it's there to be taken. Yeah. Kim, what did you make of these, uh, the Panthers and Bucks? I think that game said a lot about the Buccaneers more than the Panthers. I think the Buccaneers have been talked up a lot this year because they built their team with, with free agents. And importantly, they brought in a free agent quarterback who was a journeyman who wasn't even starting that much throughout his career, who is now 35 years of age. And they kind of expected him to solve their quarterback problems. And it was, just, it was always going to be a, a risk for me. And I think that, that game made me feel a lot more pessimistic than even I did. And I'm one of the people who was very pessimistic about them. But they did drop a, a very clear interception in the fourth quarter that could have sealed the game for them. So these are the, t- the tiny margins in the NFL where we could easily be talking about the Buccaneers being 1-0 and the Panthers being in trouble again and, and how everything went wrong. But we won't really know what the Panthers are until Cam Newton gets on the field because he's a huge, huge piece, of course. Did everybody completely overrate the Bears for uh, for any reason or is that uh, a kind of freak results against Buffalo? I think we said here in the last podcast that the Bears might not be as good as everyone's saying they will because the, the defense isn't as, as strong. Yeah, I think I, I'm the only one that actually was that high in them. I think do you want to jump ship from the, from the Bears, Kane? Are no, you sticking I'm, with I'm, it? I'm never going to overreact too much to week one. And Marshall and Jeffrey were both injured in the game, I think. And the, the Bills played the game brilliantly, I thought, because the game plan on offense really hid EJ Manuel. There was a lot of easy throws from him and a lot of relying on their strengths, which, which is something that's nice to see because you see a lot of teams in the league who play away from their strengths and kind of beat themselves. So I, I, I'll be cautious about my, my uh, optimism, but I, I'll still keep it for the moment. One final, uh, AJ Green, touchdown of the week, or certainly one of the, the, the great uh, moments from the opening day. But they needed that uh, to beat a Ravens team who were obviously surrounded by crisis. Is there... Is there any suggestion that what's going on off the field is going to have a long-term impact on this Ravens team this year? I don't think so, really. I, it's it's obviously an issue. It's something they've got to deal with. But I don't see it having a massive effect on them on the field. If for no other reason, I don't think Rice has been that huge a part of the, the offense for so long. Yeah, it was terrible last year. Yeah. Anything well, else? Well, think? Oddly, I mean, I think the Bengals are were, were not that great in that game, but there seems to be some sort of momentum building around them. and people, like Andy Dalton magic. Yeah, like what five field goals? Mike Nugent magic, I think, is the uh, operative word. But I don't, you know, like will they, they're bringing them against Atlanta this weekend? Will be interesting to see how that that goes. You kind of get a real sense of where those two teams are. I think. On my uh, panic list, I have the Pats, the Rams, the Raiders, and Washington, which we didn't really get to. But uh, Washington, what's the story with RG three? What do you do with them? Do you tell them get out there and and do those runs that you're brilliant at, and forget about the possibility of your knee exploding again? It's difficult. I mean, you, you traded so much to get him in the first place that you can't now. You can't then wrap him in, in cotton wool and and just treat him like any other quarterback. You you drafted him so high. You spent so much to get him because of his athletic gifts and because of what he can do. You can't just you know cut that off because he got injured now. All right, lads, great stuff. Thanks very much for joining us this week. Pleasure. Yes. Especially you, Tom Jackson. All right.
Right, uh, that was Bart Scott there who uh, Mick unceremoniously dumped from the opening package but uh, I've, I've wrestled him back into the show. Why did you cut him, Mick? And welcome. Thank you. I cut him because I figured that Richard Sherman and his famous mm-hmm. rant and it was only it was a little bit more relevant to current NFL audiences and I went for the recent celebrity and the classic. Yeah. You're, a, you're a celebrity. And, and, you know, I knew we'd driven. find a way to sit it back. To so we have it, it. We have it back. The reason that uh, you're here, as I said at the start of the show, is because you, uh, you've been drawing those little love hearts outside the, uh, frosting the glass and then drawing love and, hearts. Oh, and wanna, then making American footballs as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we couldn't do with the sad face Mick anymore. And so he's, we've made him happy by putting him on the podcast Talk NFL. Probably Thanks, because, lads. Sorry, listeners. Probably because, yeah, you are the most dedicated uh, NFL fan in the building. Um, Jer, I would say that two years ago I was the most dedicated NFL fan in the building. I would say that uh, you possibly have replaced me in the meantime. I know, not at all. Judging I'm, by your activity on the waiver wires that we'll get to in I'm, a few I'm just, uh, I'm just starting out on this thing. Uh, so we are going to talk fantasy on the podcast. Uh, public demand, non-existent but our desire to uh, at least somehow justify the amount of time that we spend <laughs> talking about it. Thinking about it. <laughs> Honestly, we've fallen down a fantasy wormhole, a uh, fantasy NFL wormhole. We and came on a Monday on the show and I suddenly looked into the room as we went on air at 7 o'clock and seen Colin Parkinson and Joe Malloy and I realised that these, these, these are the people that are going to be bringing us our sports news for the next three hours and I don't think they were up until half four like I was watching <laughs> NFL last night like how are they going to know what to talk about uh, turns it, out turns out like our listeners are into like other sports and stuff it's a good question um, on this slot over the next uh, hopefully the next 12 weeks or so we're going to be uh, joined by members of our league one of our leagues which is called Lycra Lycra um, and <laughs> Who would you say come up with that name? I'd say Donnie did. (laughs) And uh, until we get the permission of all of the people who uh, are in the league, we're not going to reveal their identities to protect their innocence. Um, Needless to say, there are plenty of all Ireland medals in the league. There's one member of the journalist class who's not a News Talk employee. You and McKenna. (laughs) He got out of it. He wasn't wasn't protected. Yeah, no, journalists are not innocent. (sighs) And then after that, everybody is uh, a sports player. Or former player. Yeah, so there's one dude has six All-Irelands, one dude has two, one dude has one, one dude has three, I think. Mm, that sounds about right, yeah. hope we're not forgetting two anybody. Two and one is three, and three is six, and six is twelve. I have zero All-Ireland medals. Uh, I have zero. Zero for me, too, Oh, there is, yeah. I forgot about someone. There is, I've, I've done write all. his name down because of this super top secret stuff. So we'll get to, and we'll ask them all uh, when they come on how many All-Ireland medals they have. <laughs> <laughs> but how many fantasy leagues do any of them have? No, uh, many. It's worse. In you and McKenna's defence, he is the reigning champion in this league, as, as much as it's sick as me to say. The other thing that uh, I don't know, I would be interested in some listener feedback, is we've introduced the uh, the either the intoxicant or the heady, whatever, elixir of money to the equation for the first time. Yeah, We're was, playing with big money. I was on holidays when this happened. Yeah, well, it was actually, it, was, it wasn't my fault, but I put the idea out there and everybody bit 100 quid buy-in and there's still a dispute about who's getting what for winning or losing, which uh, you two were the chief architects of. So the, the, it's a 12-team league and this year we went, last year was the first year of it, we had two keepers this year and we turned it into a dynasty league with 20 roster spots. Before we, before we made the decision on money, which I think is... Might have changed people's have, minds. Yeah, I mean, well, I, would, I drafted... For 2019, as I'm, yeah. as I'm on record saying, you and uh, in fairness drafted a bunch of old guys who are all brilliant. Um, Marshawn Lynch, you've being Fred Jackson on your. I don't have Marshawn Lynch. 
No, would you, you would have definitely drafted. Your I'm, team is really I, old. I think I, well, but look at my bench is very young. Look at Teddy Bridgewater. Look at uh, Jordan Matthews. I have Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, twenty. I'm look. I'm looking in the future as opposed to playing for today. And then the hundred euros comes into the pot. You see, it would have changed you, your mind. It would have changed my mind. Yeah. If you, lear- if you learn to love football on Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. like I have. Then you learn that you can all you can look to the future while looking for it, while looking at now. I have uh, my keepers were Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. Uh, I picked up Calvin Johnson and Gronk with my first two picks, and Andy Dalton is my quarterback. I was picking just in front of Donny, and I picked Andy Dalton, and his next pick was Matt Ryan. And now I'm sickened <laughs> that <laughs> I didn't pick Matt Ryan. I'm, one week, one weirdly, week. I was. I think I'm pretty sure that pick I was going for Dalton, and you and you went for Ryan there. Ryan versus Dalton this week. Now. It's also worth saying that I've already played Jer in the, in the uh, Fantasy League this year. What happened? I, it was a defeat by 15 points, but it took, <laughs> it, it did take a... Um, With Matt Ryan. It took a serious um, Calvin Johnson, basically yeah. the New York Giants defense decided not to turn up or play any defense. <laughs> and uh, and I ended up getting screwed, but... That was the last game uh, as well. But by the first quarter, it was over. I, it, I, it, it, yeah. I had Calvin Johnson last year and I wasn't allowed to keep him in case you all think I'm idiots because it was a first-round pick. You couldn't keep a first-rounder. And it was so much fun having him on my team because you just, I really like watching the Lions. Oh, he's amazing. And they were playing Lions. And I watched that first half of the Lions-Giants game before I went to bed. No, I, I didn't know whose team he was on, but I really missed him. But I also said, oh, this was the perfect Calvin Johnson performance because he gets 20 points in the first quarter. I could bed. go to bed now, but unfortunately <laughs> I'd already won my my, uh, my match by a good few points. At that yeah, I, I was definitely already in bed at that point. Uh, the other weird thing that happened was last week, I got 20 points from my kicker, uh, which doesn't really happen every week. However, I stupidly left Sean Moreno on my bench, so I don't, you know, I... I I definitely had the better team last mm. week. I didn't feel any. These Mick, things happen. Mick, I see you've gone for the uh, Le'Veon Bell, Legard Blunt, um, Stoner handcuff. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, I'm not so sure if I if I need Blunt as much as I thought I might, but I'll keep him there. We've 20 roster spaces. But yeah, Le'Veon Bell did pretty well for me last week, and I've got Matt Forte and Alfred Morris with uh, um, uh, Andre Ellington as one of my keepers him and Bell were my keepers so there, Ellington is sitting on my bench because I have no room for another running back so as I go through life with my receivers being Julian Edelman and Greg Jennings and nobody will trade me anything decent for my extra running back Greg Jennings on uh, Revis Island this week I, I wouldn't be yeah, well, I don't know because I think that uh, my boy Cordero who I have in another league might be on Revis Island anyway nah, he we'll doesn't play that way though mm, we'll see He'll be coming from behind the line of scrimmage. Okay, well, I'll probably put back in. <laughs> I'll probably make a change or two between now and then. The uh, projected scores that you're going to beat me by a point, which no. I, I don't really You know. always trust the projected scores. Because uh, they always come true. I mean, there's uh, <laughs> there's no point in playing these actual games, is there? It's just for us to talk shit about. That's the whole point. My main, my main roster thing, just for anyone who has done a fancy draft and understands the blind panic that you have, is that we ha- I had two keepers who were two running backs, so my immediate mistake was drafting a running back in the second round again, so I had four then with <laughs> Alfred really Morris. So, I'm, so, while I'm waiting for the round to come back to me <laughs> Nick again... Nick drafted, drafted Colin Kaepernick. That's what I'm getting to now, <laughs> the third round. Because it, there's a 12-team league, but still, the third round. So, we're getting back around to me and I'm still panicking over my idiotic decision to draft Alfred Morris and as it comes around I say right okay I'm going to pick up um, Matthew Stafford here and I had I was on quarterbacks only 
and we've only got 30 seconds to make our pick again. Yeah, That's another thing. Insane. And suddenly the guy before me drafts Stafford. <laughs> I'm in quarterbacks. Don't have the wherewithal to go back into flex positions and just panic and press Kaepernick. So I'm stuck with him all year now. <laughs> but, you know, these things happen. He might have a good season. But it, it wasn't it wasn't the skillful drafting, I will say that, if he turns out to be a 30-point-a-gamer. Doing a 20-round... Twenty round draft at ten thirty at nine, yeah, with the thirty second uh, pick clock. If you want to, if you want to have fun on a Tuesday night, let me recommend that. I hope the other nine. I hope, I hope the other nine people in our league are enjoying this conversation because nobody else is. Uh, yeah, Kaepernick, I think is actually going to have a good year. Uh, the the play on, and I was talking about it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but the play where he gets free, where there's genuine serious pressure around his ankles to find the pass to Vernon Davis. Obviously, they didn't risk anything in the second half. I still haven't... I didn't watch the whole second half. I watched a bit of the highlights. They played awful, but the game was over. I was watching that game with uh, two people who don't watch NFL ever, and they were kind of not paying attention for most of it. And then, anytime Kaepernick was doing something, they were like, who's this guy? Yeah. He kind of passed a certain kind of test of like, well, he would just... His his playing would kind of draw the interest of just the casual kind of fan. Yeah, he seemed locked in this year. I I would be if I I wouldn't be too disappointed if I drafted Kaepernick. Just before we leave our fancy teams, I'm as big a fan as Matt Bryant as anyone. I've been around and around with him on uh, on uh, fancy years. Jer has him as his kicker, uh, and Donny has Cairo Santos, yeah, which is a pretty guy. good name, right? I don't think you'll ever beat my the name of my kicker though, Cody Parkey. Is a fantastic name for a kicker. How did he do for you last He's week? He's the Eagles guy. He got 10 points. Not bad. There's a bleeding gum somebody I uh, was hearing maze and... Uh, yeah, I heard that in the corner of my <laughs> I can't remember what the name was. Is a bleeding... Is a linebacker? I wasn't, I wasn't invited into the first half of the, the podcast, but if you discussed the greatest oh, name... Oh, don't worry, you won't be. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> Clinton Dix. No, we haven't. Bay Packers. We yeah. haven't talked about it. Was, um, so I've heard of him before and it was all fine, but there's something about when Al Michaels gets on the mic on the NBC games and has to say, ha ha, Clinton Dix with the tackle. I think um, that just for the sake of full dis- disclosure as well, in the first part of this, we had Donnie ragging on uh, Monte Ball as being a pretty much a shit uh, running back and I've just noticed oh, I was about to say well I woke up on uh, Monday morning checked my my stats and then I saw that Paul had carried 23 y- times for 67 yards <laughs> and while he got whatever 13 or 14 points last week I was a bit disappointed in the workload and I'm beginning to wonder if Moreno was there would it, would <laughs> having Ball as a first round pick now here's the thing with Ball he is only in his second year I'm again I'm playing for 2019 in two or three years that's going to look like a smart pick but right now <laughs> it's costing you 100 now, quid a year but see the thing is I got Graham in the second round so yeah. it, it, I, those two picks sort of if you if you were saying Monte Ball Jimmy Graham first two rounds I think you're doing okay yeah Maybe, but There's what a, if you got an actual good running back instead? Because you picked her. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Monte Ball is a good running back. We're right? not sure. You bring up a pretty good point here, though. That Donny in the first half. It, this conversation might not be entertaining, but it's important for people who listen to the rest of the podcast because you have to know that there's fantasy t- implications in everything everybody says. So when Donny comes on and starts giving out about Monte Ball, he has been. Monte Ball has ruined his weekend. Oh, Let's I just put it that, that way. I do. Yeah. Now, so he can't have an inferness when objective I'm, opinions when, about him. When I'm trashing uh, the performance of the New England Patriots and in particular their quarterback in the first part, it was <laughs> it was completely and utterly unconnected to fantasy. I have to say. Okay, well that's fine. But in fairness to this podcast and its veracity as a NFL source, 
the two our two panelists did not play fantasy. Kian plays a bit. Okay. Yeah, but um, but Sam doesn't. So uh, right to the uh, mixed picks. Great <laughs> yeah, great name. We we spent long Changing hours. My name back to Michael. Oh, we spent long, long hours trying to come up with a name for mixed picks. What's going to happen here is we're going to pick three games every week. The uh, lines from a popular Irish betting website, and um, we're going to decide <laughs> uh, at the end of the year who knows the most about the three games they pick because someone's going to keep a league table. Yeah, and the loser on Super Bowl Sunday is going to be is going to get a Gatorade bath. <laughs> No, on Super Bowl Sunday. Can we not just watch the game and then do it like no, the day after? I, like I seriously in work Sunday. Super Bowl Monday. Super Bowl Monday. Yeah. Super Bowl Monday is much better. Yeah. Okay. We can video it on the I don't work Mondays. But when me and Jar are throwing uh, uh, Gatorade over you, Donny, we will film it and put it on the website. I don't even think you can get Gatorade in Ireland. Powerade. Powerade. Yeah. Or Lucas Ed Sport Lucas or one of the other. There are other brands, of course. <laughs> right. I think you can get Gatorade. Your picks. Okay. I've got four. Well, you're only allowed three though. Give me three, come on. Okay. I'm going uh, Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. This is a pick'em. Miami at the Bills. You, who are you taking? Miami. You're taking the away team. I am. Based on last week's Based on shot. the fact one last week. Based on the fact that they've got those brilliant running backs, particularly Noshaw Moreno. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tannehill looks <laughs> pretty good. Neither of them are brilliant. You're on the top. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo, I think, had a weird momentary thing but actually are still rubbish okay so you're saying that Miami's win Fred Jackson and uh, CJ Spiller are better than Miller and Marino by the way but we'll anyway. see we'll see you think Miami's win at home against um, the Patriots was more impressive than uh, Buffalo's away win against Chicago that's what uh, you're saying here an, an overtime win I do yeah I think okay. interesting number two Number two are the Jets plus eight against the Packers. Ooh, that's that's that that is tempting. That's a big line that's for cr- a team that were whooped in week well, one. That's crazy. The Packers are going to come in and steamroll those guys. We'll I, don't see. Th- I don't think you can score big points on the Jets. I don't think so either. So this out. could be like this could easily be fifteen seven, and that line is perfect. I wouldn't yeah. be terribly surprised. Or it could be thirty three. Well, if it is, then Aaron Rodgers has suddenly remembered that he's very good at football because he looked awful last week. He's playing the best defense in the last 20 years. Uh, this is a fair point, but... Um, Donnie, I can't wait for your perfect pick. <laughs> Give us your third one. I'm, I'm well behind you so far. Two good picks. The Atlanta Falcons plus five against Ooh. the Cincinnati Bengals. You're back in my You're fantasy quarterback. You're going for the away teams. I am going for the, uh, the away dogs on the road. Interesting. So I, I, I don't I'm not sure about that game Do you see them winning that game? Uh, I can see The Bengals won a fluky game last week With an amazing play from AJ Green Where the ball gets Thrown the length of the field And Green being absolutely amazing yeah. Wins it But AJ Green is there for those type of things He's one of the best receivers in the game Like Actually, in fairness, he's probably going to do that three times this week because uh, Atlanta's secondary is apparently completely nonsensical. So I can see this being a big, big scoring game. And, yeah. you know, they finish close. Bet the over. I would actually bet the over on this game. If Atlanta I wouldn't let New Orleans away from them last week, which I thought was pretty impressive. I didn't think... I thought that, given the season they had last year, mm. once New Orleans, like once Breeze started throwing it and they just started getting points on the board, Atlanta would kind of crumble and fade away. Saints went up early there, yeah. But no, I think that I think they're going to be reborn. This so year. you've got Atlanta plus five, Miami in a pick'em, Jets plus eight, and Jets plus eight. Okay. All, all away teams. 
Jira. Okay, so you're taking the points. I've taken the completely different uh, tack as you. <laughs> He's gone Denver plus minus 13, are you? First pick for me, Tennessee minus three and a half at home to the Cowboys. The shambles. Tony Romo throwing interceptions left and right all day. I wish I'd seen that one. Yeah, <laughs> triumphant. I that one, I have to say. T- Tennessee Titans having destroyed Kansas City. Is, uh, is, is Jake Locker? <laughs> Jake Locker. Yeah. He's, this He's emerging. Back. Yeah, we've got... Um, We've got some fantasy interest here. My boy, um, Justin Hunter, is that his name? Yeah, he's going to be... I'm looking for him to catch some passes. Um, Sean Green, Dexter McCluster. I, I I don't see I don't see the Cowboys. I think you see the Cowboys at 0-2, all this Jerry Jones stuff in the news. That's not going to help. Uh, DeMarco Murray was sensational <laughs> in that game against... That's hilarious. San Francisco. How many... Uh, how did fantasy stud Jamal Charles do last week? Uh, well, they only used him nine times. They only gave him the ball nine times. I didn't see much of the Chiefs game, right? And then on... I watched for some reason I don't know why I seen the first series of that game and I looked at on like Monday or Tuesday and I seen Charles' stats and I was like oh my god he ran for like two first downs or he ran for like I think nine yards in his first two runs looked absolutely normal and Jamal Charles like and then they just and then he did like no more yards for the rest of the game and I don't know what was that also, that's how they were so far behind their like. special teams were, were really bad yeah, yeah. Nal Davis uh, gets the ball in the end zone and then puts his foot out and everyone's like oh. you're not supposed to do that buddy that's a bad thing <laughs> when you do that that means that the it, it would be interesting if professional football players knew the rules of football wouldn't it <laughs> ok so that's your picks yeah, pick okay. number two going to Houston the Texans hosting the Raiders and I'm going to take Houston to go 2-0 this and shock the world. This is very interesting, Donny, and I'll tell you why when I get to my picks. All right. Uh, I I think Oakland Houston are... Houston minus three on the road. Just an average poor team. We ruled in the podcast the last two week. 2-14 Houston, Texas Sorry, on the road. At, at the Raiders. Three points. At the Raiders. Yeah, at the Raiders. Oh, did I get that wrong? I'm still sticking with Houston. I, I think Houston has... Uh, I think J.J. Watt's going to run the show. I think they can win that game 16 Ten or something like that. And yeah. Do you just talk enough. about JJ Watt on the first part? We did, yeah. Podcast. Okay, I will. I, I I think he speaks for himself. He was insane. And finally, this is the pick I feel less least sure of. My hometown team, the New York Giants, welcoming the, the New York Football Giants, the uh, Arizona Cardinals to to Giant Stadium. I just did not. I think I I think the Giants are terrible, but I did not. I don't think they're going zero and two. And you've got a team that's played, when the Cardinals played it, like, they would have finished their game around 11 o'clock Monday night, flying cross country, waking up early for a Saturday game. I just think the Giants, they're they're a poor team, but I think they've got just enough to... to What's the spread? That's two and a half. Uh, the Arizona are giving two Arizona and a half. should not so, be favoured. I mean, you've, you've got, you've got um, Giants, mm. Giants with points at home against Arizona, who maybe aren't that good. I think that's a pretty good pick as well. So that, those are my three. I thought about the Giants. I de- uh, right, there's a bit of a pattern to mine that only developed after I made the picks, but actually it works, right? So basically, I'll, I'll tell you them really quickly. It's I'm picking Tennessee minus 3.5 against Dallas. I'm picking Jacksonville plus 6 on the road against Washington. And I'm picking uh, the Colts in Monday night uh, minus 3 against Philadelphia. And what I was thinking was, I seen that they were all AFC South teams. So, so I'm going... I'm backing the perceived weakest division of football and then I realised they're all going against the actual weakest division of football yeah. the NFC East so that's basically what my thinking is after I made the decisions yep. <laughs> but look Tennessee mainly the same reasons as Donnie I think the Cowboys are terrible I think Tennessee are still underrated they're, I think Locker's really good and 
that they're going to be a really decent team this year, if not brilliant, but they're definitely good enough to beat Dallas at home. I think Washington are terrible. I think Jacksonville are also kind of terrible, but that could be... That could just like it could be like the first half of the Eagles game last week or the second half, and I'm just going to take a chance on six points being too much. And Indy, I think they're a lot better than the Eagles, so I just think they'll beat them by more than three points. I, I think know. that Andrew Luck will put up a lot of points in that game. I don't know if Indy well, are better than the Eagles. Everybody's yeah. saying Indy are actually kind of rubbish, and um, they, Robert Mathis is gone now for the yeah. game. at home Monday night. I think they'll win, so and if I do, if they win, I think they'll win by. Six or seven points. Back the over. That's the safest bet there. Yeah. I, well, actually, I had to, you know, I did the pig swing, pigskin pick em thing because there's literally nothing that I don't do on NFL. And uh, you, your tie break for the week is to um, bet the score on the Monday night uh, game. And I had I had the right points difference and the right score in Arizona and San Diego, but I was about sixteen fifteen or sixteen fourteen. Yeah, except I had like thirty eight thirty seven to Arizona, so I, I knew it would be a close game and Arizona would sneak it. But uh, yeah, so I had like you know for this one like forty eight thirty forty two thirty eight or something like that. Like so, it's welcome I think Mc- it is going to be a high scoring game. Welcome to Mick McCarthy's alternative universe. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> right. That's your lot. You this guys week. are used to it. I don't know about the listeners. If you want to get us on Twitter at Donny Mahoney. Yeah. At McCarthy Mick. Mm-hmm. I'm at Jerry Gilroy. Uh, enjoy the weekend, you, and we'll talk to you next week.